What's up, champs? Welcome back to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Short Shift Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Ben Burnett, and joining me, as always, your other host, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, my friend, how are you doing on this fine, fine Tuesday evening? It is a fine Tuesday evening, and the reason I know it is fine is because outside it is sleeting, it's going to turn into ice overnight, and they did us the great benefit of letting us know that school would be canceled tomorrow before having to wake up in the morning. I'm so happy. Uh, even some goals against uh, can't bring me down here tonight. Uh, I'm There is so much snow on my street that they've been plowing for days, and it's just... Uh, eating up more real estate on the sidewalk. There's currently a plow on my street, so uh, if if you hear any sort of background noise on my feed, that's like you know how Dim Filipovich always has the uh, the ambulances running. The East mm-hmm. Coast Canada version of that is the the plows always running in the background. Yeah, I've got a buddy in Vancouver, and whenever we play video games together, it's nonstop sirens. Well, Lewis, I'll, uh, I'm going to drop a siren. I'm going to drop a hot streak siren because we're going to start off talking about Mason Marchment, a player who was featured prominently on Sunday night's episode of Keeping Carlson, uh, hosted by our pal Elon. He was joined by Scott Cullen this week. They talked about that third line in Florida on Sunday, and anyone who listened to them and picked up Marchment or Lundell off the waiver wire was rewarded Monday night. Two goals, four assists for Marchment, five assists for Lundell, and four points for Sam Reinhardt, their line mate. Uh, Elon and Scott talked about uh, Marchment as a player who, at that point, had 17 points in 20 games. Now he's up over a point per game, 21 games into the season. Lewis, do we do we believe more in in Mason Marchment now than we did Sunday? You know, it has to raise expectations somewhat when you can put together a game like that. You know, it's a team that can score up and down the lines. Obviously, we've seen that. And they are, you know, the hottest scoring team in the NHL right now. It seems like no goalie can stand against them. Even uh, even the great Igor Shostyurkin has surrendered some goals to him here today. So, you know, uh, does it raise the ceiling? I think it does a little bit because you can see, obviously, that he is capable of doing quite a lot. And, you know, that line is no group of slouches. You know, Lundell has been a nice waiver ad for anyone who was able to pick him up a few weeks ago. Sam Reinhardt, obviously, you know, I think his owners thought, well, this is a bummer. He's kind of getting demoted, but I'm sure they're not singing that tune right now. Um, you know, we talked a lot about St. Louis having maybe one of the best third lines in the NHL, but I think we have to look at uh, this group as the number one line three in the NHL right now. You know what this really reminds me of is um, is that run that Yanni Gord went on his first year in Tampa Bay uh, on a third line. Um, basically just, uh, you know, uns- it, it felt unsustainable. You're looking at the underlings and you're like, yeah, there's no way that he keeps up this point per game pace, but he's on this great team. The team can score up and down the lineup. He can play up and down the lineup. So if, you know, if one night he's playing with, uh, if one night he's playing with Huberto, then of course he's going to be, he's going to look good. And if he's playing with Sam Reinhardt, most of the time, that's a, that is a very respectable, uh, line mate for for uh, for Mason Marchment. So definitely a player that I'm uh, I'm not expecting the point per game level quite right. the rest of the season. But I mean, 55 points, 60 points while he's hot. And yeah, I, I can't imagine dropping him right now, despite the fact that Florida has an unenviable, uh, unenviable schedule the rest of this mega week in the Yahoo 
uh, in the Yahoo schedule, something that we are going to talk about a little bit later on tonight. But first, let's get into an injury over in Washington. Right. So unfortunately, this just came up uh, here in the first period on Thursday night. Uh, Vitek Vanacek only managed to save and took a goal against before he was pulled from the game by spotters, and it was announced that he would not return. You know, the silver lining here, I think, is even, uh, you know, if it is something mildly concerning, uh, you know, he's got a nice break coming up, obviously, with the All-Star break here. We don't have a ton of information for you, certainly. You know, watch Twitter. We'll try and, and keep things updated. But for now, let's have our fingers crossed for our Vitek Vanacek rosters across the fantasy hockey world, hoping that he'll be right as rain when he gets back from the All-Star break. Probably bears mentioning that Ilya Samsonov will be likely to get the start tomorrow night the uh, capitals have a back-to-back so maybe worth a stream in uh, in a league where you're looking for goalie starts tomorrow all right lewis let's hop over to another goaltending situation in toronto where jack campbell has been struggling five straight games with a negative goal saved above average which indicates he's done worse than an average goalie would perform based on shot locations with the same workload after basically a Vesna-level start to the season. Uh, in Campbell's stead, or I guess while Campbell has struggled, Peter Morazic has started to put his game together pretty solid since returning from his latest injury, putting up a 9.21 over his last four appearances. Campbell, though, uh, as of the time that we record this, has made 20 saves in the Leafs' second half of a back-to-back against New Jersey. So I guess, Lewis, how much are we reading into the Jack Campbell uh the jack campbell skid i guess so you know you talked about the skid and i think what's interesting about this is it seems that sheldon keith thinks that it is at least in part due to workload you know that campbell you talked about that vezina level start and campbell has you know aside from guys like saros maybe uh was for a while one of the goalies with the most starts in the league um and so he kind of went on that skid you were talking about and even even with this you know so far, knock on wood, obviously, for my, my Campbell owners, this shutout that he's running uh, through two periods against New Jersey. Let's do keep in mind, you know, first off, Toronto is probably the superior team. Second, you know, uh, he's looking to get revenge for that bad start yesterday. And the, the Leafs came all the way back um, from a pretty bad outing uh, to beat the Devils. And I think that's got to be somewhat demoralizing. And they got off to a hot start, uh, the Leafs did, against the Devils today. So, you know, I'm not reading too much into this one particular start, especially because, again, I, I think this is a workload issue more than it is a struggling issue. Uh, I think Keith is going to try and get a few more starts for Mrazic moving forward. The problem is, you know, the Leafs have a fair number of games, nine left uh, after the All-Star break in February, but there's only one back-to-back game on there. So you'd be relying on Keefe to follow through with his plan to give Campbell more rest. And I think he will, but it's going to be tough to predict. Uh, you know, I would be more comfortable maybe streaming Mrazic in and out rather than trying to hold him and see where those starts come, just because they could be a little unpredictable. And if they come on those busy nights where you can't get him in anyway, you might have benefited from having someone else on your roster. So I am interested in Mrazek. I'm holding him right now in Cupful, um, you know, for his start yesterday. I probably will drop him when I have someone come off IR after the All-Star break, but we'll see where it goes in terms of sharing that workload. Yeah, I think um, 
I mean, and I, I do have to point out that you you took a chance to take your pot shot at the devils as you as you do every episode uh, at this point. But um, yeah, no. Interestingly, with Campbell, the skit didn't really start until the team started giving Morazic more starts, and I wonder if maybe there there might be a confidence issue there. Uh, maybe it is a workload thing. I I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a, a goalie psychologist, and I pity anyone who is. Campbell has now <laughs> given up a goal against. Uh, since we started this segment. So I, I do think we're probably uh, jinxing him to some extent already. But um, yeah, I think that the uh, what I would worry about with Campbell is just is is just the short term, because I think that, you know, halfway through the season, I'm feeling the I'm feeling the burnout of all of these games every single night for several months at a time. I'm sure as a somebody who's actually playing in these games, you know, as a as a follower, it can be a little bit of a a slog at this point of the season. I'm sure that for some of these athletes, it's tough to sort of be ready night in, night out. I could see, you know, teams are going to have players and goalies are going to have their ups and downs. I wouldn't be surprised if this is kind of a blip when we look back on Campbell's season. Uh, Lewis, why don't you take us on to uh, to the Long Island where we're going to chat about in Outery. All right, so Ryan Pulak made his return here on Thursday. He had not played since November 15th, so quite a long layover. Uh, he didn't really have a great start to the season, and certainly it seems like his power play one role appears to be a thing of the past with Noah Dobson ascending into that spot. But I would imagine that he is available in an awful lot of bangers leagues out there. And if you are in one of those types of leagues, I might want to run and grab him off the waiver wire if possible. You know, there has been some question, is this going to impact Dobson, who's been kind of cold despite all of his top power play time, uh, although I believe he does have a point tonight. Uh, but just two points in his last nine games previous to Thursday, and only one of those came on the power play. Uh, he has been shooting and blocking like crazy, so... I'm not going to be giving up on Dobson until we see Pulak start to eat into those PP minutes if that starts to happen. But I think the only thing that leaves me questioning a little bit is just that, you know, the Islanders are scuffling a little bit. They need to try something to get going so that they can get back into a playoff position. So if, uh, you know, the coach sees potentially putting Pulak up on power play one and he has some success for a game or two, uh, then maybe that's a spot where, um, you know, we start to see. Uh, some of that slows minutes start to disappear. All right. Coming up, we are going to get into the second half of this mega week that we talked about. Look into the schedule at players that you might want to uh, to consider for streaming or some players who you may not want to hold through a light chunk of the schedule. Uh, you're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. And Lewis, as I mentioned before the break, we wanted to look ahead at the second half of week 16 on Yahoo schedule and take a look at teams that play a lot of games, teams that do not play very much as there are a lot of those and give some advice based on or, or for ad drops on players who may be worth avoiding, who may be worth looking twice at if they've been uh, lounging on the waiver wire. Uh, why don't you start us off with a uh, a player that we may want to shed from our roster ahead of this uh, layover? Yeah, so for all of these players that we're trying to suggest be potential drops, we tried to pick folks who you know were relatively widely owned. Um, and so I want to start in St. Louis uh, with a player near and dear to my heart, as most people know, uh, Ivan Barbashev. But he's been a bit of a snoozer lately, despite some solid deployment, uh, including you know getting put on a line with Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, no points in five games, and only one of those games featured two or more shots. Uh, 
Uh, his ice time has been falling from the upper teens a week ago to 15, 30, or under in the last three games. And with no games to speak of until the 10th of February, I think Barbashev is probably the easiest drop of the folks that I'm talking about on this list. He had a really outstanding run. But, you know, like we've seen, you know, the, the, the top nine shuffles around quite a lot. He hasn't been getting top power play time, uh, and that tower, top power play has really been humming. It hasn't been kind of the same split of success that we saw before. Uh, so, you know, I love the guy. really enjoyed having him. I put a motion aside and dumped him at the start of the week for Alex Kerfoot, who has been a nice replacement, especially after he was reunited with Tavares and Nylander. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Honestly, looking at the Blues, there are a few players that I think are are reasonable drops given their their total dearth of uh, of upcoming games played. I would also consider dropping um, Colton Pareko. Uh, I did drop Rob Thomas in the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League. Uh, it was not a smooth feeling. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that I would also, I, I see Jordan Bennington on a lot of waiver wires and, uh, that's not surprising given the, uh, the situation and the, the lack of games played coming up for St. Louis. Yeah. Especially with, uh, Huso getting both of the games, uh, leading up to the break. I thought surely they might try to get, uh, Bennington in there to get his confidence back, but, uh, it wasn't the case. So, uh, I'm, I'm a little more into Huso right now as a possible hold. Oh, interesting. Did they start Huso? I'm just kidding. Just teasing you. Uh, Lewis, we're going to hop over to the uh, to the other side of the, the ledger. And, and players who you might want to look at adding, I'm going to name a few players here. And in this, uh, for this group of players, I looked at the teams that have five games played next week between Monday and Sunday. Five games, absolutely chock full schedules. And there are no real heavy nights. So you should be able to fit these players into your roster each and every night next week. Uh, the first player who I want to mention is somebody who's not going to be rostered in or who is going to be rostered in most deeper leagues. And it's a player who we've mentioned a fair number of times the past few weeks. Go get Tim Stutzla leaning. Uh, you know, I've noticed that we've used the pause the pod gimmick quite a bit recently and for mm-hmm. players of decreasing uh, <laughs> decreasing value. Legitimacy. Yeah. And, you know, Tim Stutzla, like the first time I remember pausing the pod coming up was talking about Artemi Panarin when he was a rookie or maybe it was Zach Wierenski. Anyway, Tim Stutzla is not going to put up Artemi Panarin numbers rest of the season. But with five games next week, he needs to be rostered in all formats, all leagues. Uh, so go get Jimmy Stu, a must roster, uh, at least for next week. And he, as we've mentioned on the pod, he's been fairly hot lately, shooting a bunch, scoring goals, and he's been riding shotgun with Brady TK. This is a great chance for him. I think we're both still on Tyler Ennis and Alex Formanton, who have been hot, and we've we've mentioned them a few times. I know that they've come up on Keeping Carlson, uh, the Keeping Carlson Mega Show as well. Um, over in New Jersey, the other team who plays five games next week, Damon Severson has gone cold, but I do think it's worth keeping an eye on Dougie Hamilton's status because he could be a sneaky pickup with five games next week if Hamilton is out and Severson maintains that top power play spot, which. The Devils seem to want to keep trotting him out there. Um, Looking at the forward group in New Jersey, I think there are two players that I'm interested in for very, very different reasons. Um, On the one hand, you have Igor Sharangovich, a player that's been mentioned on Keeping Carlson shows often, but has been fairly cold lately. Unfortunately, when he isn't getting in on points, it's kind of a 
bummer. He, he doesn't do much else for you. But he's still playing on that line with Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt. And that line is bound to put up some points next week. The other player I want to mention is Nathan Bastian, who is, I think, the the opposite of uh, the opposite of Igor Sharangovich. You're not expecting a blow up game out of Nathan Bastian, but he has been on power play one the past few weeks. So while he isn't heavily featured on that unit, I think you could do worse than a guy who might get in. You know, you could see him lucking into a let's say two power play points next week. How nice would that be for a guy who's going to hit, you know, three or four times per game. He's shooting twice a night. I really like Nathan Bastian as a stream just because of that volume that you're going to get out of starts from him. And he's got a few six hit games in there. I think if you're in a cats league where you're just kind of counting up those numbers, I mean, that's invaluable, especially when he's been playing 20 minutes a night. Uh, the next guy I want to talk about uh, only plays one game next week, and it is Ryan Getzlaff with five points, one goal, four assists in his last 11 games, and only one game remaining in this match. Uh, I'm out on Getzlaff. You know, he's been deployed with Troy Terry, but they've lost some of their early season magic. Uh, he's been seeing second power play time, uh, and he missed a good chunk of that with um, leaving a game for injury. He did come back the next game, but if anything, playing through a possible injury makes me even less interested. So the Anaheim power play, too, is not where you want to bet your week. Uh, and unless he can, you know, find whatever that uh, magic elixir he and Troy Terry were sharing towards the start of the season, uh, I think he is pretty uninteresting. I think he is over-rostered, and certainly with only one game left next week, uh, you could do a lot better to help win your week than holding on to Ryan Getzlaff. Ditch that guy. Are you ditching Ryan Getzlaff in all leagues or, or more so shallow leagues? I mean, I think that I... I'm okay getting rid of Getzlaff uh, more universally. I think you can find more exciting half-point-per-game guys uh, to pull up who are less well-rostered and find themselves in better positions on better teams. So, yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty down on Getzlaff in general. Interesting. I like Getzlaff. I like that spot that he's in. I feel like he's been a little cold coming back off of the injury, which you don't love to see. But yeah, ultimately, I, uh, I, I'm not going to rush Getzlaff off of my roster in deeper leagues where I, where I don't feel like I can replace him. But I definitely appreciate where you're coming from that if you're looking for games played this week, you know, you're up against a team who's going to have seven, eight, nine. Uh, I've seen some disparities up in the like 12 and 15 games played disparity and and you need to claw your way back into your matchup. I, I can definitely see why you might drop Ryan Getzlaff. Uh, Lewis, I'm going to take us next to Montreal, a team that plays four times next week. And I want to talk about Mike Hoffman, who's just 15% rostered, but he's getting top power play deployment with a mostly healthy Hab squad. Um, and he just came off of a five game point streak and Lewis, I don't want to freak you out too much here, but if you look at Montreal's recent deployment, Mike Hoffman is playing at even strength with Laurent Dauphin. Can you believe that? He's getting, he's getting Dauphin exposure. Yeah. (laughs) Anytime you can be up next to the crown prince, you're doing something right. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, If I could do a dolphin noise here, I would do one uh, to celebrate the, the, this momentous occasion in Mike Hoffman's life. Um, but no, I mean, obviously in Montreal, the, they are not the ideal team that you're looking to stream off of, but. You could do worse than a, than a guy like Mike Hoffman who's getting points on a top power play, gonna stay there. 
four games next week versus, like you said about uh, Ivan Barbashev or Ryan Getzlaff, one game between those two guys, I'd rather have four from Mike Hoffman. That is for sure. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I actually was, you know, into Mike Hoffman at the start of the season. Obviously, things haven't turned out for, for Montreal the way we hoped it would. But at the same time, I think we don't want to get too much recency bias. You know, this is not the team that is mostly Laval Rockets, right? It's a real NHL team. It's not a good real NHL team, but it is, you know, a team populated by NHL players and someone is going to score sometimes. Uh, and certainly, you know, he's putting himself in a position where he might be the one to, to be able to accomplish that. So uh, I see where you're coming with him. He is widely available naturally, uh, as Montreal has kind of been poisoned for fantasy, uh, through, you know, this, this injury slump. So, uh, definitely a guy who is getting, uh, at least the type of power play deployment you would want to see. Yeah. If you're looking at, uh, if you're looking at him on the waiver wire, don't scoff, man. Hoffman. <laughs> Nice. All right. Uh, we're going to jump over to San Jose. Uh, and this is probably the, the most, uh, the most bold potential option here and made, made more dangerous by the fact that this is someone who has a goal and an assist here tonight. But I want to talk about Logan Couture for a minute. Uh, he's been centering line too. He's frequently been separated from Tomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer. Uh, and he had hit quite a skid, uh, up until this most recent game. Uh, he now has one goal and three, uh, three assists in the last eight and three quarters games as of this recording. Uh, he did score that goal on the power play, which is one place where I like him. I don't like him so much at even strength right now. Um, you know, he's definitely been shooting more than Barbashev or Getzlaff. He gets that consistent power play one deployment. So I get why, you know, this is, you know, something that this may not be a move that works for you. Uh, you know, he's a top 100 in Kakupful guy. Uh, you know, he's had a lot of success. So I understand if this is too much, but, uh, and, and he's not going to play again until Valentine's Day. That's the real, that's the real headline here. We're going to be, uh, 13 days from seeing Logan Couture play again. Uh, I know he's got name value, and if he hits that waiver wire, there might be people who just snatch him right up because they recognize that name. But uh, if this is, you know, if you are in a position where you really need to win every week and, uh, you know, Couture not playing for that extended period and you can get four or five games in from other players, uh, you know, that's even the Tuesday of the week after. So you, you might even be giving up a Monday game in the next match. Uh, you might consider... Uh, ditching Couture. I know those two points tonight make that a much harder sell uh, than I anticipated while writing this up. Yeah, I think that Couture is definitely droppable. He did come up on the Keeping Carlson Mega Show, and Scott and Elon talked about him as somebody who's a tough drop because he's, no matter what, he's going to get his 18 minutes a night. He's going to play um and and he's a guy who is going to be leaned on by that Sharks franchise. Uh, has been ever since they uh, ever since he took them uh, kind of on his back. He he would have been the Conn Smythe winner if if the Sharks would have won that uh, that Stanley Cup, I believe. Um, but definitely, I, I could see why you would want to ditch him in a lot of leagues. I have a question for you, Lewis. Um, a player who's rostered in closer to fifty percent of leagues, so a little bit less than uh, Couture, is uh, is James Reimer. Um, struggled a little bit recently, but I haven't seen him dropped in too many leagues. Seems like a tough hold to me, though, over the next two weeks. What do you think? Uh, would you be dropping James Reimer in leagues? So I've been kind of enjoying uh, streaming goalies in. It seems like we've had quite a lot of tandems, that we've had players who've been able to step in and be successful. 
and that has made me a little more willing uh, to reduce my numbers of goalies. Um, I've pretty much just been rostering UC Saros because he's such a workhorse and he's playing a ton and he's been playing great this season, which is lucky for me to have a guy that I can I can put in like that. Um, but I've actually turned some uh, losing ways around a little bit since I've stopped trying to guess which uh, L.A. goalie, for instance, would be able to play. So I, you know, he's had some rough outings lately. He certainly cleaned up his game a little bit. But yeah, I think uh, I think I would uh, if it meant, you know, potentially saving my week and pulling out a win. I think I might be willing uh, to lose him, especially because we did get news uh, that Aiden Hill is going to be starting to skate next week. Uh, which means, you know, by the time the 14th rolls around, maybe we're right back to kind of a, a bit of a goalie competition with uh, with Hill and Reimer. Uh, not that Hill has been, you know, a huge impediment uh, necessarily. He, you know, hasn't had a great season, but, you know, we might see a little bit more of the the back and forth. Yeah, I think that Reimer is one of those players where it's like kind of annoying that he's been so good in his last four games. Um, like, cause you, you almost wish that you could drop him and cycle him back in when, when the games come back. But I would be nervous to lose him now that he's had, I mean, he's working on his third, I guess his, yeah, his third quality start in his last four. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough with that schedule. I, I got to admit, uh, Lewis, I have just one more segment here of players. These guys are playing three times next week. However, if you look at the schedule, they play these games prior uh, in the first five days of the week. So if you add them to your lineup now, you can ditch them before the weekend and maybe turn them into five, turn that spot into five games played. Uh, I'm going to start first in Arizona, which is a tough team to stream off of, I, I admit. But Nick Schmaltz playing with Clayton Keller at even strength has been pretty solid lately. Five points in his last four and two three-point games in his last eight. So he does have that uh, that go-off potential, I guess, the GOP. Um, the other player who has a bit of GOP is uh, Kyler Yamamoto, who Elon and Scott discussed on Sunday, uh, getting first crack playing with Evander Kane and Connor McDavid. I guess the, we'd call that the Evander Kane line in Edmonton, right? <laughs> um, so Yamamoto got an assist uh, over the weekend. I would probably wait until we're on the other side of the All-Star break because the uh, Dave Tippett is known as a Dr. Line Blender in, uh, in Edmonton. But uh, yeah, I think that if Yamamoto is still skating there next week, or actually, I guess, after their game on Wednesday, he becomes really interesting to me. Um, alternatively, I really hate to say this, and I'm kind of doing like the see no evil emoji as I say this covering my eyes, but Miko Koskinen hasn't been too bad lately. Three straight quality starts, 28 of 31 saves versus Ottawa in an overtime loss on Sunday. The Oilers have been starting to pick it up recently. You could do worse than uh, than, and this assumes that Mike Smith, who did return to practice, uh, continues to struggle to get back on the ice. Uh, even if he does, he's he's sort of turning into the anti Ranta of uh, of Edmonton. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, you know, yeah, I agree with you that Koskinen has started to turn around. It does seem like the team is playing with a little bit more confidence, which I think really helps. Uh, he, you know, there was some, there was some controversy. Uh, I saw a lot of people saying, uh, that Stutzla's overtime goal was a total thing of beauty, perfectly hit the corner. And then the other half of people were saying, oh, it's all Koskinen's fault. He was down on his pads too long. He gave up that corner so easily. You know, there was no chance he could stop it as long as Stutzla could elevate. So uh, I think it sort of just depends on your own perspective there. But there's no uh, discounting the fact that he has had those quality starts. I think that's what you kind of want to measure and you want to have from from a goalie 
when they come out. So, uh, yeah, I think you could do worse. And I, I would not be super worried about, uh, Mike Smith just because we haven't been able to see him, you know, come in and play well. The one danger is it's clear that Dave Tippett likes the guy. You know, they have a history together, but, uh, you know, Dave Tippett is also a guy who wants to keep his job potentially. Uh, and so we might not, we might not see a whole lot of Mike Smith potentially. Lewis, I think that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for joining me and and thank you to the listeners for joining us. We are going to take this upcoming Thursday off to uh to recharge our batteries as the uh the All-Star weekend approaches and we'll see you back here on Tuesday. Lewis, I look forward to it already. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking forward to coming back with Gusto. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Please give us a follow at ShortShiftsKK on Twitter. Brian and Elon can be found at Keeping Carlson. And Dave Betton of Stream Scheme is at NHL Stream Scheme. Also recommend you follow at Game Day Lines, at Game Day Goalies, and at Game Day News for all of your breaking information. Uh, our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short.